So we're starting a new series today um, called Kingdom Stewardship, and <clears throat> I, I, I'm looking forward to this because I, I do believe, in, 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 and it's interesting, Arnie, some of the things you just said, some of the things we sang today, um, even the communion moment here, it all kind of ties together. Um, we live in a day and age where um, there's a lot of, number one, uh, confusion about how we should respond in life to certain things. Um, there's a lot of confusion about God and our faith and spirituality and our relationship with God. And, uh, and I so love that song that says uh, that he who the sun sets free is free indeed, and I am a son of God, um, because I, our own identity so often is challenged by the enemy. The Bible tells us, this is pre-sermons, Brad, so it's not in the screens, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood people, right? But against principalities and powers of darkness. Well, we don't see the powers of darkness, principalities. We see people, and so sometimes we want to blame people for our struggle, or we want to give people credit for um, harming us or confusing us or hurting. We, we want to point our fingers at people because we see people, but there's a greater force at work, a greater power at work that we can't see that actually should be getting the credit or the blame for the struggle. The struggle is real. We all have it. It's not unique to you. Knowing how to fight the fight, knowing your identity, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what the Word of God says is so important, particularly in this day and age. It's always been this way, and every generation could probably say the same thing. But for us, we got to learn how to fight. We have to understand about stewarding the very kingdom of God. And so we're going to dive into that this month, and we are going to talk about <clears throat> um, uh, our, our time. We are going to talk about our gifts and talents, natural gifts and talents. We're going to talk about money this month. We have to talk about money. We, we don't talk about money a lot here because, my goodness, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that we don't have to. We, we are not going to beat people over the head, badger people with, about money. We never have, never will. But uh, we are a very generous church. We, the, the people, right? We are very generous. We, we understand about giving and tithing and offering, all those things. But we're going to dive into that this month, and we're going to talk about it so that we have clarity, so we understand not just the what, but the why. Does that make sense? We'll get into that later this month, but today we're going to dive into what is the kingdom of God, and uh, really that could be the title of today's message, but it's kingdom stewardship, but what is the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about today. So let's get, let's get into this thing. You know, we all live under um, a system of authority. There's a lot of them, a lot of systems of authority. We all live under a system of hierarchy. Uh, we're all under the rule and reign of something or someone. Um, whether we like that or not, we are. You could, you could go as high as, you know, for us, the government, the government, the federal government has a system of hierarchy and authorities and powers. And we can say all day long they work for us, but at the end of the day, you ain't got a voice. You gotta, all you got is this, click, I voted. That's really it, right? But, but the people do have a voice when we come together. But that's a system of hierarchy. We say that we trust the people we elect. Well, I mean, we kind of say that tongue-in-cheek sometimes, but you know what I'm saying. But we have this system of authority. It can be state-level government. It can be local-level government. It can be you're a student and you have a teacher. That is a system of authority. The teacher says what goes, whether you like it or not. You don't like it, go see the principal, right? Uh, whether you, If you're on a ball team or, or, you, or you participate in any kind of student sport, you sport, you have a coach. The coach is that system of authority. You got a job. You got a boss. Ball says what goes. You don't like what the ball says what goes, you can leave. He ain't leaving, right? That's a system of authority. We all live under various hierarchical authority uh, coverings or systems in 
our lives. We're all under the influence and, in many cases, control of someone or something in our lives. There are many, many kingdoms in this world. Some we just described, some that, you know, in the United States we live under a republic and so we have an elected government, but in other nations there are dictatorships, authoritarian governments, there are actually monarchies still in existence in our world today, many monarchies, but there are systems of governments, with that come systems of power, power that impacts our lives. The kingdoms of the world are usually political or geographical, they're Many times economical, for sure, influence the economics of the world. And often they're cultural and determine cultural norms, cultural anomalies, cultural direction. And the governments of the world, the powers that be in the world, the systems of authority, they have great influence and power over our daily lives. So with that, we have a response. And, you know, sometimes we pledge allegiance to... Now, that's an easy one when we talk about the United States of America, but if you've chosen to work at a certain company, you've pledged allegiance to that company. You've told your boss, I'm in, I'll do this, and you pay me that, and it's an allegiance. Or if you're a student at a school, whether you like it or not, maybe your parents make you go there, but you are pledging allegiance to that school. You've given your heart to that school. You're learning from that school. You'll always look back and say, I went to that school. What were you? Well, I was a Tomcat or I was a Bobcat. I was this. That's, that's saying I was and I am. It's pledging allegiance to something. So here we are as Christians, disciples of Jesus here in the church today. And our lives are pledged to something. And when we understand what the Bible says about the kingdom of God, we understand how we should be pledging our allegiance to His kingdom. Pledging our lives to His kingdom. Our hearts, our interests to His kingdom. That His kingdom is our kingdom. You know, we sing, I am a son of God. Nancy, you let us. I am a son of God. And, and hopefully some of you are saying, I am a daughter of God. Oh, it doesn't rhyme, but you can say it anyway. But um, we, we, we pledge that allegiance to God with many times not understanding what that even means. I, I do think this, that uh, overwhelming majority of believers because we don't understand, because we, we just lack the information or the understanding of what that really means is that we don't I, I truly identify in our day-to-day lives. We come to church on Sundays and we worship God as the King and we say these words and I love the words. The words are Scripture and we're proclaiming the Scripture and we'll even read our Bibles sometimes out of duty, sometimes out of delight, right? Uh, we read the Bibles to, to uh, shape our ideologies concerning God. We do all these things, but oftentimes we don't understand what it means to be a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. And so we don't live accordingly. We don't live as a son or daughter. We don't live with the rights that God affords. We don't live under the promises of God. We live under the dictates of the world around us. Now, I would say this. We are in the world, not of the world. So we are in the world. When Jesus would even tell us today, obey the laws of the land. He's not negating the laws of the land, but there's a higher law, there's a higher authority that we pledge our allegiance to. You know, the Bible says that we are sojourners traveling through. We're, we're pilgrims traveling through this world. We're not, we're, not, we're not truly, truly controlled by or under the authority of we are but aren't of this world. We're under a higher authority that trumps the world's authority in our lives. Again, whether that's a coach, a teacher, a boss, 
or a government official, yes, we say, I'll obey that law, but I'm going to actually go up and obey a higher law. And that is the laws of the kingdom of my God. Now, the kingdom of God's a little different. It's a little different than the earthly world that we live in and some of the dictates of the world. And that's why I think it's so important. If we don't understand the laws of God, the laws of God in a, in a good sense, the protection of God, the promises of God, if we don't understand the way the kingdom of God works, then we're going to default to living inside the constraints of the kingdoms of this world. Am I making any sense at all? Jay, help me out. Is this good? No? You got it? You follow him. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in the blanks, but I hadn't lost nobody, right? This is so important, y'all. We live under the lies of the enemy if we don't understand the truths of God. So we're going to talk about what's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is spoken of over 150 times just in the New Testament alone. Most of those by Jesus in the Gospels. If we had to sum it up, the kingdom of God, let's put this on the screen, can be described as the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus is the king. The kingdom of God. In this kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. It's his authority. It's his dominion. The concept of the kingdom of God is not just one of space, territory, and politics as in a national kingdom like we would understand the United States to be, but rather one of kingly rule, reign, and sovereign control. The word sovereign means complete. End to end, Alpha Omega, he's in control of everything. Don't think he's not. Don't think, well, God's in control of most of it, but the devil's got his share too. No, 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 no. God's even in control of that. He's got a, an authority over even the powers of darkness. He allows them to operate. They don't operate against God's will. It's so important that we get this today. Come on, Father, I pray for me. I pray for us today that our eyes and hearts would be open to hear the truth of your word. As we jump into scriptures, God, let them stick let them impact. Let them persuade us to see you in the proper light. Holy Spirit, help us today. Please, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. 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 The kingdom of God. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of scriptures here. I kind of describe the kingdom of God. The Old Testament is full of scriptures that point to the coming kingdom. And then John the Baptist, you read about him in the early parts of the gospel message in you see it in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist shows up, begins his ministry by proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's time. The kingdom of God is here. Do you all know, just a little off, off question here, do you all know why he could say the kingdom of God is at hand? Why did he say, why was he proclaiming the kingdom is here? What, what would be the, the, the common denominator with that? What's the, anybody? Yeah, yeah well, there you go, because Jesus was here. Jesus had shown up. God had sent his one and only son to the earth. He had left his throne. Jesus left his throne and became a, a man at birth. And John the Baptist was like, king's here. Hey, oh, king's here. Y'all can imagine. Just imagine with me, right? We're here today. We're worshiping God. No different than we just did. We're worshiping God. We're talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the doors open up, and an angel steps in and blows a horn and says, Hey, guys, Jesus is visiting churches, and he decided to come here today. And he literally walks in the room, the physical man. There he is. Wow, what would we do? We'd be like, well, I thought he would look a little bit older. <laughs> I did. Where's Jeremiah? Where's Jer Jeremiah? Jeremiah's got some long hair now. And I was up here worshiping, and I looked back, and I kind of knew it was him, but I thought, dude, that looks just like Jesus. And I went and told him. 
If Jesus is here, I'm going to go make sure. Hey, hey you're going to come to the front, right? Sit in the front row. <laughs> no, if he was here, we would fall to our faces as men were dead. <laughs> we would become of nothing. We would be like melted at his very presence. Well, he is here. Hmm. He is here, but we don't, we don't put it together. We don't get it. John did. He said, repent. The king is here. <laughs> he was blowing a trumpet, all right. And then we see shortly after Jesus coming on the scene, Matthew 4, 17. And, and it says in the Bible, from the time Jesus began to preach, saying, here it is again, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, let me just say now, because it'll, it'll possibly confuse you. The, the, theologians have debated this for 2,000 years. But as we can tell, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing used interchangeably. As some would argue that, you may be one of those. It's okay, we'll talk later, not today. But today, they're synonymous, okay? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the king is here, I'm here. Let's get this party started. Jesus taught his followers how to enter the kingdom of God. John 10, 9, I am the door. Talking about himself, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. <laughs> He's got a key, <laughs> He's got a key. He gets in the door. You ever gone to a friend's house and you couldn't get in? You had to sit on the doorstep and wait for them to get home. How embarrassing, right? I said, no, no, Jesus said, it ain't like that. <laughs> you get a key, bro. Everybody gets a key. They can come in and out and find pasture. In other words, be well-nourished, be taken care of. You can not only got a key to go in, but you can get in the fridge. Y'all are laughing, but I'm serious. I'm telling you, God has opened his kingdom to you as a son and a daughter. Jesus said, come on in. That's how, and, and you try to get in any other way. You try to crawl through the window, Holy Ghost is going to take his rifle out and knock you out. Jesus don't play like that. You're, if you're not a son, you're not a daughter. You don't get a key and you don't get in the house. But sons and daughters go freely and they eat well from the king's fridge. <clears throat> Jesus taught in parables that over and over again illuminated the truth about the kingdom of God. One example is from Luke 13 and verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? Come on, somebody ask that question. Go ahead. What is the kingdom of God like? And then he went to answer his own question. And to what shall I compare it? Mm, let me think. It's like a grain of mustard seed. Y'all know how small that is. That a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nest in its branches. The kingdom of God it had a small start. It was a baby in a manger. But he ain't a baby in a manger anymore. He has grown and he has allowed his kingdom to grow and encompass all that we know. It's all around us. And the presence of God is here. And it's a safe place to build a home like a bird, to have a family. It's a safe place to raise your family. The kingdom of God is the best place to live and have a family. Jesus urges his followers to pray for the coming of the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.10 told him, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy, be your name. Holy is your name. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus praying to the Father is adamant that we have to embrace God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk more about this in a moment, but I want to just kind of, I want to throw out this idea, because sometimes we're taught in Sunday school, sometimes we don't, 
understand that God's kingdom is not just in heaven. I've talked to many people over the years. I've actually pondered this myself. Is God's kingdom just a faraway place? How many of you are like me sometimes when you pray? You're like, Father, where do we look? Father, don't we? It's just some natural thing. And I think, I think the devil loves that because he, he wants you to think that God is far away. That he's not an ever-present help in the time of need. That he's not right by your side like he said he would walk beside you never leave you. He's not there. No, 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 no. He's busy on the throne. He ain't got time for you. Go take your petty matters to the world. But that's not true. And so Jesus was adamant that we should pray, pray so that we can understand that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus promised he would come again to earth in glory to establish his kingdom as an eternal inheritance for his people. Matthew 25, 31. He said, when, come on, somebody say, when, when the Son of Man comes, not if, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. He is coming back. He came, he did what he came to do, paid for the debt of our sins. He went back to sit on his throne at the right hand of the Father, praying for us today to get this, to understand this. And the, he, told him, I'm com- he told us, I'm coming back for you. Don't think I'm not. Matter of fact, while I'm here, I'm building your house, a mansion, as it were, a place to dwell that you'll always be with me in my city. But I'm coming back for you. Sometimes the Bible refers to the kingdom of God as both a present reality while at other times as a future realm or territory. Uh, in the Bible world, we, we talk a lot and we call this an already but not yet theology. An already but not yet. Jesus talked about this. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here now. The presence of God is here. Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us now. He's here now. He's here. He's Next to you, he's with us today. The very presence of God, the voice of God, the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, is here today. He's with us because he loves us. He has a plan for our lives. He's coaching us. He's instructing us. He's convicting us. He's challenging us. He's instructing us and steering us and guiding us. He's here today, but he is coming also to establish his kingdom forevermore. And that's the already, but not yet. Is, is that, is that, that's tough for me to sometimes wrap my mind around that. That kind of is akin to the fact that we are saved, yet we're walking out our salvation in fear and trembling. <laughs> and we are saved unto the day of salvation. It's the already, but not yet. It's very similar to the kingdom of God. He is here. But he is coming back. And we can't do that. And that's why it's hard to understand that. You can't say, no, I'm already there, <laughs> but I'll be there later. We can't do that. We're physical beings. We're in one place. But Jesus is the sovereign God of the universe, and he's everywhere at once. And his spirit is here right now. Hebrews tells us a little about this. Now, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, He left nothing outside his control. At present, we, that's us, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We don't see it, but we see him who, for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, talking about Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by, it's interesting that 
The writer of Hebrews says the suffering of death is synonymous with glory and honor because it was a glorious and honorable moment when he suffered for you and I. So that by grace, the grace of God, he might taste death for us. Everything's under his authority, but we don't see it yet. We're in the already, but not yet season. But there's coming a time when we will see everything under his authority. We'll see it. The Apostle Paul in the, in the epistles said the kingdom of God was part of our present everyday spiritual life. One example, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit in our daily walk. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the walking out my salvation in fearing trembling. I need a coach. I need a guide. I need somebody there. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the local church because the Holy Spirit uses the local church. I need this moment right now, in this moment right now, the preaching of God's word. I need that in my life. It challenges me. It convicts me. It messes with my ideology. We need that. We need the coaching of God as we walk out our salvation because it's not about, this life is not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a higher level of understanding. I am a son of God. Oh, that means that I'm striving to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we can miss that. We miss that. We miss that, and we think in the worldly terms. It's like, don't eat this, don't eat that. Better not drink. Better not drink, smoke, cuss, dip, run with those that do. You go to hell. What? That's a trick of the devil. There's nothing to do with any of that. It's understanding my place in God. The devil duped us, man. He put a substitute out, and we bit on it because I can do that. I can do that. I got that. Check that off my list. Didn't drink, didn't cuss, didn't smoke, and I didn't dip. And I didn't run with those that do. Look at my list. I'm going to heaven. (laughs) And we bit on the substitute, and Paul told us in Hebrews, and God's telling us again today, it's not about that stuff. And you're like, see, honey, I told you I could dip. No, you're you're missing it again. You're missing it again. (laughs) Dipping don't get you in heaven or hell. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Understanding your place in God. Does anybody hear me? Come on. I'm hearing me. I'm hearing me. I'm hearing me. Paul also taught the followers of Jesus to enter into the kingdom of God at salvation. He said this. He said in Colossians 1.13, he, talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness domain, mindset, ideology, thinking patterns, processes, Authority of, he's delivered us from that and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of heaven, y'all. You're a citizen of heaven with heavenly rules and heavenly guidelines and heavenly ideologies and thought processes and promises that are applicable to this everyday life. Promises of eternity, promises that inspire me to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost because of what's coming in the future. In the today, looking forward to the tomorrow. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. Uh, Jesus often spoke of the kingdom as a future inheritance. In Matthew 25, 34, the king will say to those on his right, if you've read that story, it's the parable of the sheep and the goats, and he says to those on his right, y'all sat on the wrong side today, he said, come, you blessed of my father, come, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you. 
from the foundations of the world. This is God's plan all along. That we would inherit his kingdom and be able to sing a song like that, that I am a son of God, a kingdom citizen. I'm in. And so this is coming for me when Jesus sets his throne up and his angels are standing around and he divides the sheep from the goats. <laughs> and he says, now, everything I told you about is coming true today. Here's your gift. Here's your reward. And Jesus spoke of that. So we should understand that. We should embrace that. We should understand that. You're sheep too. Come on. Elbow somebody and say, you're a sheep too. You're starting to feel left out. Come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So as citizens of the kingdom of God, as citizens of God's kingdom, we should recognize God's sovereignty in our lives. Since I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, I should understand and recognize God's sovereignty in my life. I, I, I think this is where this is where we get mixed up. I think this is where we stumble. I do, I do. Because we we understand that Jesus died on a cross for us. We do the communion as a celebration of that, as a reminder of that. We understand Jesus died on a cross for us. But but I think sometimes we have the three little pigs mentality, and it's this, I got in by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin mentality. I think we think, I just barely got in, because see, here's the deal, I know me, and I know what I've done, I know what I've said, I know what I even thought, even recently, and, and and I'm ashamed of that, I don't want you to know, but I know, and I know God knows, and so I'm figuring that he died on the cross for me, but it was only like, oh my gosh, look at him, come on in, and so we kind of box ourselves into this mentality, like God is performance-driven. Like he's looking at you and how good have you been or how bad have you been and that's going to determine his love for you and that's going to determine whether or not his promises are available to you. <sighs> We're all the redheaded stepchild. Sorry if you're a redheaded stepchild today. It's no offense meant, but that's a mentality that we embrace and, and what that does is it, it negates the understanding that the Bible teaches us that we are citizens of heaven. We are subjects to the king and the king is sovereign. In our lives, that means he's got this end to end. What it also does is it keeps us from giving our all, our all, our full lives to God. You know, Jesus told a rich guy, a lawyer one time, you need to love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. He told, it's saying all of you, not just some of you. But we don't get that. We don't get that God is sovereign in our lives. And so we only give God certain parts of our time. And then the rest of our time is our time. We give him Sundays, or at least Sunday mornings, right, at 10 o'clock. We give him that. We stand and we sing. And maybe this is an indictment. Maybe it's not. And I'm not throwing a rock at you. I'm more throwing a rock at me because we're all this way. But I'm telling you, we do. We give God a portion of our time, but we think the rest of our time is our time. So instead of God being our Lord and Savior, he's more of an addendum on our hip. Like, yeah, I got time for, I got time for a, a couple of scriptures in the morning. I got time for a little prayer at dinner time, you know, bless this food. I got time for a Sunday morning, and that's all we give him. That negates the idea of the kingdom of God being a kingdom citizen with my allegiance to him, giving him full control of my life. My every waking moment. 
I really think that we put things in a box and we're like, some things are spiritual and some things are not spiritual. When in fact, because of God's sovereignty in all of our lives, all things are spiritual. Man, if you get this, if this clicks, if this gets any traction in your life, all of a sudden your Monday mornings are going to be different. Because Ernie, where's Ernie? Where's Ernie? Wave at me, Ernie. There he is. He's in the back. Hey, remember that conversation we had that time right here? Where you... Where I challenged you and then you did it and he woke up on Monday morning and he said, hey, Holy Spirit, good morning. <laughs> I'm picking on Ernie a little bit here, but I mean, I'm imagine, I imagine in my mind, you know, me waking up on Monday morning. Hey, Holy Spirit, good morning. And him going, whoa, 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 who was that? <laughs> I'm not used to that. Who was that? Which one of my sons just called my name? I don't know, maybe. But, but we get up on Monday and we say, Holy Spirit, good morning. Would you walk with me today? He, he would anyway, but you're acknowledging his presence. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, or maybe you are, have you ever seen that husband that walks 30 feet out in front of his wife? You ever see that? You ever see that? You all know those people? Maybe you're some of them. Or the wife that walks way out in front of her husband, you know? Um, there, there's been times, Angela's good about this, but there's been times when uh, that I'll start walking out. I'll be holding her hand and I'm walking in front of her. You know, It's almost like I'm dragging her along. She's like, hold up, hold up. I'm wearing these heels here. Okay, okay. I slow down. But I, you'll see that sometimes. And I think sometimes, I think, I think maybe this is just a, a, a picture, but, but, and maybe it's not a reality, but sometimes I think we walk way out ahead of God on our Mondays through Saturdays, and then on Sundays we slow down and say, come on, catch up, God. It's time, right? It's time, God. Come on, catch up with me. Instead of walking... In the cool of the day, every day, with God, all things are spiritual because God is the king and we are his subjects and he is sovereign in our lives. And what that does is it causes us to question some of the earthly rules. Now, I'm not talking about that come from the government. I'm just talking about societal norms. Instead of questioning them and comparing them to what God would say yes or no on, we just embrace them and then repent later. It's like that I'd rather you know go out and party and then repent than I would honor and obey God. It's, it's just backwards. It's not understanding. We don't get it that we're citizens of heaven. And so we don't live by God's rules. We go along with the earthly influences instead of God's kingdom. With this in mind, we're going to get to this stewardship word here. With this in mind, if I am a citizen of God's kingdom that is a reality, that's universal, that's, that's everywhere, that is ruled and reigned by God and His sovereignty. And if I'm a citizen, I'm a son of God, and I'm a part of that, and I've, I've pledged my allegiance to that, then, then, then I have to understand that there's a responsibility that goes along with being a citizen. That's true. That's true of all authority. If you're going to be on the team and you're going to say, that's my coach, you're going to follow the coach's guidelines. Mariah and I, Mariah and I uh, I'm, 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 I'm Coach Mike, but I'm assistant Coach Mike and Mariah's head coach. Mariah, uh, we're coaching a soccer team, and uh, one of the things that we've communicated to the team, it's, it's eight-year-old girls, nine-year-old girls, funnest thing ever. It's, it's the funnest thing ever, y'all. But one of the things we've communicated up front, we'll continually communicate, uh, Pat and Chris are coach soccer, y'all know you do this all the time, is you've got to hear the coach, you've got to listen to the coach, you've got to do what the coach says. I look at some of these little girls, and some of them are prima donna. Some of them think that they're the best thing ever, and I'll get down on their level, and I'll say, you're a good soccer player, but if you'll listen to the coach, I'll make you better. And you see their eyes. Boy, they like being heard. They like being told they're good, but you see their eyes like you're going to make me better. God's saying the same thing. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. And if you listen to the coach, 
I'll make you better. Not in a conduct way, but I'll help you to embrace the ideologies of the kingdom of God, walk in the promises of God, and live in the authority of God every day. So we're to be stewards of the kingdom that has been given to us. This word steward simply means a manager, a good manager. To be responsible for what God has given us, not irresponsible. To do due diligence with the kingdom that has been given to us. Someone once said, it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. We do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, in our families, in our schools, and even in our checkbooks because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes again is that if we manifest it in a way, the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects to the king. Trick question, rhetorical question, but answer, answer like it's not a trick question. Do you want the people in your life to know that the king is the king of your life? Do you want the people in your life to know that Jesus reigns supreme? That he is the King of kings and Lord of lords and that he died on a cross for them. You want, you want that. I know. And the only way they will know is if you live as if you believe it. And that stings sometimes because we know who we are. We know what we've done. We know where we've been. And that's why God puts us together on days like today to say, hey, come on now. A couple of points if you're taking notes. Number one. To be a kingdom steward, we have to understand we belong to God, and everything that we have is ultimately given to us by God. Come on, somebody say everything. That's the part that we wrestle with. Hold up, God. I thought just 10% of my tie, uh, 10% of my income was yours. I thought that was just yours. No, everything. If I'm a citizen of heaven and he's sovereign in my life, everything is his. That's my money. That's my time. That's my gifts and passions. That's my family. I remember years ago hearing a song. How many of you, this is going to date you. How many of y'all remember Keith Green? Carl, I'm sure you do. Keith Green. Y'all remember Keith Green? Me and Bridget. Susan, okay, yeah. Yeah, Jay. I figured it's all the hippies. I, I see, I see you. I see you. I, that's us, all the 70s kids. No, Keith Green, he, 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 huh? You still got his cassettes, yes. I didn't know they even made cassette players anymore. Praise God, I think. But you remember Keith Green, and he sang a song, I pledged my head to heaven. I pledged my family. He went through this list of things. I pledged my life to heaven. I pledged my wife to heaven. I pledged my kids to heaven. And I remember playing that cassette over and over again until it worn out. And I remember singing along and believing it. I pledged my life to heaven. I pledged my wife to heaven. I pledged my kids to heaven. And I would weep because of the reality of what I was saying in a minute. Because if I'm going to be a kingdom subject, then what I have is the king's. And I can trust him with my life and my wife and my kids and my finances and my tomorrows, my dreams, my passions, my victories and my defeats. I can trust him with every single thing because he's the king. If you belong to the king, everything you have is his. Uh, David in the Psalm 16 too said, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. 
I have no good apart from you. There's nothing in me to count around and say, look at what's mine. No, 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 no. It all belongs to him. God said this in Job 41, 11, Who has first given to me, and this is God talking, right? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. This is God talking. He, he's serious here. Yes, Lord. In Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the world and those, somebody say, that's me, <laughs> who dwell therein. I, I was trying to think of an illustration that would maybe help us to put all this together, a practical illustration. And I really, I really can see it like, and, and I hope this works, but your home may or may not be this way, but just understand, I'm trying to paint a picture here. But in a healthy home where there's a father and a mother and, 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 a, and, a, and, and there's kids, there's a relationship that, that parents have with their kids. There's a relationship that, it, if it's healthy, it, it should like, look like this, that it's the parent's home. And the kids, everything the kids have is because of the parents. And, you know, if you, if you have kids or you've raised kids, you know that, you know, I mean, there's a time whenever, you, you know, the kids want a, want a, want a car or, or an Xbox or a PlayStation or they want something. And the parent ponders and weighs it and says, I think this is healthy. Yes, I'm going to give that for you and get it to you and they give their child that or, or now in, in, in it wasn't always this way, but now it's, it's cell phone. You know, there's a certain age where you decide that you trust your child with a cell phone. But the, the giving of is based on the relationship. And the relationship should be healthy, and there should be a matter of, a matter of trust there. I can trust you with that. I know you're not going to be dangerous with that. I remember telling Caleb, my, my son, when he was, was uh, 14, fixing to get his license, almost 15, fixing to get his license, and I, I didn't know how to describe it. And I'm saying, Caleb, won't you understand, there's a 20,000-pound there's a murder weapon that you're fixing to get into. <laughs> I wanted him to see that if he was irresponsible with what I was trusting with, that, that he could kill somebody, he could take a life, and it could impact the rest of his life. You know, and, and I, I probably muddied it up, and he probably was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what's that trying to say here? But I think the principle behind it is correct, and I think it's the same principle that God uses with us. He says, I'm giving you my kingdom. I'm happily trusting you with my kingdom. But there's responsibilities that come with that, and there's a relationship that it's all hinging on. And I'm going to trust you with my kingdom and the blessings of my kingdom, the promises and the authority and the keys of the kingdom. You can come and go as you please and eat it on my fridge. I'm going to trust you with these things. But it's based on a relationship and an understanding and it is true in the home, if your child, if they violate the trust that you have, I mean, you may or may not do this, you have the right to take back those things. And I, and I had to do that as a parent. There was times whenever the trust was violated, and I said, well, give me your keys and give me your phone. Because these things were given to you in trust based on the health of our relationship and you got to be careful with that. You know, you can't just use that as leverage. You know, you didn't clean your room. Give me your phone. I mean, come on. You know, sometimes it gets like a little petty. And you got to weigh whether you want to die on that hill or not. But at the end of the day, in a healthy relationship, there's, there's, and, and you could look at that child and they can say, well, it's my phone. <laughs> it's like, oh, buddy, I paid that phone bill. It's my phone. <laughs> and I've trusted it to you. I, I hope that makes sense. I hope that paints a little picture of how it's God's kingdom. But because we're citizens, 
Everything we have is his. And we have a responsibility to steward the things of God's kingdom well, to be good managers. We belong to God, and everything we have is ultimately given to us by God. Uh, a guy, Theopolis Gale, back in the day, said, Whatever I thankfully receive as a token of God's love for me, I part with contentedly as a token of my love for him. It's not holding on. It's saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've given me, and I'll freely give, freely receive, freely give. Number two, if you're taking notes, we are citizens of God's kingdom, and because of that, we represent his kingdom in all that we do. So we have a responsibility to be the good managers of what we have. Our time, we're going to get into that next week, so I'm not going to talk about it now, but our time is precious. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. If every hair of our head is numbered by God and He takes care of us in a meticulous way, wouldn't it make sense that we manage our time properly? And I'm not the best at this, so next week I'll be preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. But we need to be challenged in this because many times we waste time or we mismanage time or we compare ourselves to others and say, well, I don't have time. They must have time. When in fact, we all have the same amount of time. It's how we manage that. But as stewards, we have to manage that, not, not only that, but also our talents, our gifts, our earthly gifts. Some are gifted to lead. Some are gifted in administration. Some are gifted in giving or generosity. Some are gifted in hospitality. And we should be walking in those gifts as good stewards of the gifts God's given us. And then, of course, our money, which we're going to hit on later in the month. So number three, when we are faithful and little, God can make us ruler over much. Let me just unpack that for a moment. When we're faithful over the little things God has given us, God, being a good steward of us, can trust us with more. If I asked you a trick question, I said, how many of you want to be more blessed? Most people would raise their hand. I mean, we do. We sincerely, genuinely want to be more blessed. But the way to be more blessed is to be responsible with what we have. When you're responsible with the little, God trusts you with more. And that can be everything from money to influence. Are you responsible with the little influence that God has given you? We all have influence. Some it may be just with our family, some with our co-workers or classmates, some with a greater, broader populace that we're good, good stewards of, our influence with. God wants to use you. question that sometimes we get into these conversations and questions come up like this. Why don't we see miracles today like that we see in the Bible? And this is, this is my opinion, so please don't take this as a theological stand, but this is just my opinion. I, I'm not sure God can trust us with that much, that much fame. And, that, and that's indicting. That challenges me. Sometimes I think our ideologies about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, First of all, that he's way up there and we're way down here. First of all, that, there's no relationship in that. So how would he be able to trust us if you prayed for a dead person and they woke up? 
how would he be able to trust you with that much on your shoulders? The media, the people coming to you, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> how could he trust you with that when you don't even understand this relationship? The daily walk with God, 24-7. But even if we're past that, even if you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm close to God. I pray every day. I read my devotion and I study. God, I, I hear from the throne of heaven. I hear the voice of God. And, you know, can he trust us with more? And again, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm not speaking for God in that context as far as miracles go. But I'll tell you this. The Bible says this. The truth of God is that if you're faithful in little, he will make you ruler over much. And in God's time, by the way, there are miracles happening around the world in other places. I believe there are miracles happening here. We don't see them. But going forward, we should desire to represent God's kingdom to the world around us. In a proper, responsible way. And to do that, we have to understand what is the kingdom of God? What is he trusted to me and how can I be a good steward of that? And we're going to dive into that over the next three weeks. So let me back up just a little bit. Even into the worship today. Jesus loves you. And if you're here today and you've been a Christian for a little while, you need to hear God loves you and he has a great plan for your life. And he's inviting you to step up. Step up to the plate. Get on the field. Join the game. Engage. Wrap your minds around this kingdom of God and the stewardship of that. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to hear this, God loves you. And Arnie, you said this earlier, and you're talking about, that's interesting, I, 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 I'm going to use your illustration of, a, of a, a clay field. The potters would throw their pottery, they would take and put pot on the wheel, they'd try to make the pot, and if it didn't work out or if it had a crack in it, they would throw it out in the field and they would shatter and they would just discard it, and so many of us feel discarded. So many of us feel rejected. So many of us feel like God doesn't love us. And then here today, you hear me, you hear Garney, you hear people say, no, 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 no. The potter's in the room, and he's not throwing you away. He's, he's here today. He can heal you. He can repair you. He can make you into a useful utensil in the hands of a loving God. He loves you. And I'm challenging you here today that if you will listen to God today speaking to you about you, that he loves you, and he has a life for you that includes him by your side every day, if you will just say yes to that. It's like God's reaching out his hand, offering you everything <laughs> that you can't get on your own. And all you got to do is say yes. So right now, let's get alone all across the room, wherever you're at. Just get alone with God out of respect for those around us. Just get alone with God and let's hear his voice. Let's listen right now. Father, we do. We we hear what you're saying. The challenge has been put forth today, both for the believers and even for those who are seekers in this room today, seeking for God and for truth. And God, the challenge is before us. And your Holy Spirit is here and he's convicting us and he's, he's drawing us. And for those who are Christians who have heard the challenge today to engage, to, to step up to the plate, I pray, God, that we would all obey and we would engage and we would see the fruit of that in our lives. That we would be faithful in the little. And for those that are here today who are 
who are seeking you and are feeling your conviction, the presence of God drawing them. I pray that today that their yes would begin a new journey for them. Come on, nobody looking around right now, but if you're here today and God's drawing you, and you've never said yes to God, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you've walked away and so far from God now that you, you really don't hear his voice. You don't know him, and he doesn't know you. And, but you're here today, and he's saying, come on home. Come on home. It's time. I love you. I have a good plan for you. Come on home. So if that's you in any way, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says that if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, and you confess it with your mouth that you would be saved, rescued from eternal separation from God, that you would be saved. So pray something like this. Say, Father in heaven, help me out, folks, all over the room. Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Just tell him this, I give you all of me, Jesus. And I receive all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.